what ways might perfectionism mask an insecurity? Have you seen this play out in your own life? We'll learn how we can focus on Christ and the work he's doing in our lives rather than our desire to make ourselves better on our own. In today's episode, we're going to start it right now. Life has its ups and downs. Life can be fun. Life is sometimes hectic. And life is full of choices. Welcome to Venture, the podcast that brings the biblical truth to the ventures that we face in this world and live in today. Hey everybody, welcome back to another Venture Podcast. I'm your host, Dan Wills, lead pastor at Chandler Acres Church in Bellevue, Nebraska. And as always, so thankful that you are joining us today, that you've downloaded this week's episode. Uh, We are in a series called Chasing Carrots, the Continual Pursuit for More. And it's week three of that, and we're talking about perfectionism today. We're talking about perfectionism today. Before we dive into that, though, I I need to share a couple of things with you. One, uh, as always, uh, just I believe that uh, God has placed you where you are today, whether you're driving in a car or whether you're at home listening on an Echo device or or wherever it might be. Uh, we believe that God has put you for there, put you there for a reason and a purpose, and we're always praying that God will show you what that is. And the second thing I want to bring up is I apologize uh, for our late download. Um, unfortunately, my father passed away last week, um, and we are celebrating it because I know where my father is. He's in heaven. And uh, we had all of our funeral this last weekend and and things going on, and I was unable to record. So I apologize, and uh, so we're we're getting it out a day late, so I apologize to you again for that. Uh, but just, you know, I can if I can ask personal thing, uh, just be in prayer for my family as, as um, we grieve, and especially for my mom uh, for losing her, her husband of 48 years. So please be in prayer for her. So, hey, let's dive in. Like I said, we're going to be talking about uh, the unhealthy pursuit of perfection. And I don't know who this is going to speak to today, but I would like to start off with a question. Uh, How many of you honestly are often hard on yourself because you don't get it right and you really like to be perfect? Is that any of you? Because I want you to kind of dive into that today. If that's you, you're hard on yourself because you don't get it right and you really struggle to trying to be perfect. Okay. Because it's funny how many of you will say that And the very same people who say, I battle with perfectionism, will also show grace to someone who messes up, right? Your kid falls short, your best friend falls short, and what do you say? You say, don't worry about it, no one is perfect, right? You're quick to show grace to somebody else, but yet in your own life, you often hold unrealistic expectations. And when you don't live up to them, you feel deep feelings of shame, of guilt, or unworthiness, and to top it off... Scripture can be incredibly intimidating. In fact, when you look at what Jesus said in Matthew's Gospel, five, uh, Matthew five forty eight, this is what Jesus said. He said, "Be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. Be perfect. No pressure there, right? Just like God, be perfect, right? Never sin, never have a bad thought, never look at somebody critically. Be perfect. That's what Scripture says." And especially if you're a mom, you know how it is. You, you just can't win. If, if you're a working mom, you might feel guilty because you're not at home with your kids, but you feel guilty because you like not being home with your kids, right? 
And if you're a stay-at-home mom, you feel guilty because you're not contributing financially. You know you should be very blessed, but you, you, you yet to fantasize about putting them in a perpetual Mother's Day out, having someone else take care of them. And it's just not a mom problem. It's an all-of-us problem as well. We're all dealing with the pursuit of perfection. If you battle with the pursuit of perfectionism, in some areas you'll almost lie in order to show an image of yourself that's not real. Can we say hashtag Instagram, right? Or you might find yourself avoiding something that you would like to do because you don't feel like you're going to hit the standard. And so rather than failing, you avoid it altogether. Or you might find yourself doing what I do, which is obsessing over something that to, just to get it right, right? To the point of inefficiency or ineffectiveness. And realizing that perfection can actually be the enemy of progress, but yet you do this and you obsess about it, knowing that it's unhealthy, but telling yourself, this is the price I have to pay to be successful. This is what it costs to be successful. Many of us battle with this problem. In fact, I did some research on the subject, and I, and I want to show you three different types of perfectionists. And perhaps you might find yourself in one or more of these, these categories, okay? The first type is called the self-oriented perfectionist. Self-oriented perfectionist. These are the expectations you put on yourself. If this is you, you tend to hold unrealistically high expectations of yourself, and you battle with feelings of guilt, often obsessing to the point of inefficiency. If this is you, you might be prone to procrastinate. And you struggle with deep feelings of inadequacy. It's, it's the self-oriented perfectionist. I, I've got to live up to my own standards or I don't want to do it or I feel ashamed and, and guilty. Then there's the externally oriented perfectionist. Okay? The externally oriented perfectionist. And this is what you believe others expect of you. And so if this is you, you believe others expect you to be perfect. So to cope with the pressure, you often use self-deprecating humor as a defense. You, you might make fun of your work ethic or, or your appearance or whatever it might be, but it's totally as a defense. You'll also feel very, uh, very alone sometimes or depressed, and you feel secretly desperate because you know no matter how hard you try, you will never, ever be good enough and, and live up to your idea of what others expect of you. The third one is, it's called others-oriented perfectionist. Others-oriented perfectionist. This is when you impose your expectations on somebody else. If this is you, you expect others to live up to your impossible standards. Your challenge is, is that you lack empathy. And because you lack empathy, you often tear others down or you use abrasive and demeaning humor towards those who don't meet your standards. Some of you, you had parents like that. Some of you, you are parents like that. So watch out for that, okay? If you recognize yourself in any of these categories, I want to talk to you about the spiritual side of perfectionism. Because a lot of times we see perfectionism kind of like a, a psychological issue. And it is, don't get me wrong, it is. But, but I believe at its root, it's actually a very real spiritual problem. And the question is why? Well, because perfectionism is often a covering for our deepest insecurities or our deepest fears, or if I can just say it theologically, it's a covering for our sinfulness. It's creating the illusion or the external standard that if I live up to this, then I'll be good enough for somebody, my own standard, yours, or perhaps even God's. At its root, perfectionism is a very real spiritual problem, covering an insecurity 
of our sinfulness. In fact, if you go all the way back to the Garden of Eden, when, when Adam and Eve were perfect and holy before God, they, they lived free and the pressure was off until they disobeyed God and they sinned, and, and immediately they felt insecure. They, they felt flawed. And so what, they, what did they do? They, they created a covering for themselves with leaves, right, to create the appearance that you don't see any of my imperfections. Instead, I'm still going to show you what I think you want to see. It's a covering for insecurities, for imperfection, and for sinfulness. Moses did something similar. When Moses went up to the mountain and experienced the presence of God, his face shone with the glory of God. But then he put a veil over his face. And some, some would think it was to keep the glory from overwhelming other people. But, but what they didn't realize is the veil was, was to hide the fact that the glory had already faded. The veil was a covering for the insecurity. And that's why so often we show others what we think we want them to see. Because perfectionism is a, is a covering for our insecurities, for our fears, and for our sins. So, what do we do? If it's, a root, if it's at its root, it's a spiritual problem, right? Then at its root, we, we need to let God solve the problem, right? And so what I want to do is kind of talk to you about as clear as I can from the, from the book of, of Romans, how it is that, that we're actually made right with God. All right. This is what Paul said in Romans chapter three, starting with verse twenty. Okay, he's speaking directly into a spirit or a craving for perfectionism. Okay, listen to what he said. Romans three twenty, for no one can ever be made right with God by doing what the law commands. The law simply shows us how sinful we are. In other words, on your own, in our own sinfulness, we can never, ever, 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 you can throw as many ever as you want in there, obtain all the standards of the law. So why did God give us the law? Well, Paul tells us, and let's look at it again, that it says the law simply shows us how sinful we are. The law reveals the reality that we need help. We need grace. We need mercy. And we're never going to be good enough. Now, if you say, I know, I'm a Christian. I know the Ten Commandments. We're good. You know, but well, before we talk about the Ten Commandments, let's, let's pretend you were a Pharisee hearing this in the times of Jesus, right? The Pharisees didn't have to live up to Ten Commandments. They had 613 commandments. Can you imagine that, right? They have a lot to live up to, 613. And we only have 10. And let's be honest with ourselves. Let's be transparent. These 10 are pretty intimidating, right? Because I want to ask you this question. How good are you at following them? How good are you at following these Ten Commandments? I, I, I've got a couple here, and, and I kind of went through my, my life. Don't, one of them is don't put anything ahead of God, right? That's a strike for me, right? I've done that in the past. Think about the things we do that with. Don't lie. Strike, 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 right? How many times have we lied? We, we think white lies are, these little white lies are okay. They're not. They're still a lie. Don't covet. Strike, 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 right? Don't take God's name in vain. And I hate to say it, not in the last couple of years, decades, right? But somewhere back in my sin resume, <laughs> it was a strike, 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 right? I think we, we all fall short in following all these Ten Commandments. We cannot live up to it. No matter how hard you try, you can't get there. The problem is that if we try to talk at this level in our culture, People tend to say, don't tell me I'm a bad person. Don't tell me I'm a sinful person. I'm not a sinner. I'm not a bad person. I'm a good person. Don't, don't judge me. Actually, this isn't judging. It's not judging. 
This is just telling the truth, that you're jacked up, screwed up, bad, evil sinner, and so am I. Aren't you glad you joined the Venture Podcast today where we make you feel better about yourselves, right? (laughs) Scripture says your heart is deceitful above all things. Your heart is so messed up. Your heart's so messed up, you can't even tell the truth about yourself. Every single one of us, we have all fallen short of God's standard. All of us. We do not have the capacity in our sinfulness to live up to his standards. So why is this so important? It's not that I want to make you feel bad about yourself, okay? The reality is this. Until you see yourself as a sinner, you won't see your need for a savior. And that's why that law is so beautiful, right? If you never see yourself as a sinner, you will never see your need for a savior. It shows us I need help. I can't be perfect. I can't live up to that. So what do I do? How am I made right with God? This is, this is so amazing. If you've heard this before, I pray that you'll hear it like you've, you're experiencing it for the first time. Okay, We're going to read from Romans 3 again. How are we made right with God? Paul goes on in Romans 3, verse 22. Listen to what he says. We are made right with God by placing our faith in Jesus Christ. And this is true for everyone who believes, no matter who we are. Doesn't, doesn't matter how bad you are. Doesn't matter how much you've messed up. Doesn't matter how much darkness there is in your life. This is true for anyone who believes, no matter who we are. No matter who we are. So how are you made right with God? It's not Christ plus church. It's not Christ plus good works. It's not Christ plus helping a little old lady walk across the road. You don't have to do that to be made right with God, but you probably should do it anyway, right? <laughs> okay. It's not Christ plus doing bad, not doing bad things. You're, you're made right with God by Christ plus nothing. Jesus and Jesus alone. It's not perfectionism, but it's grace. It's the grace of God. Let me contrast the two for a moment, okay? What is perfectionism? Perfectionism focuses on what I do, my performance, my effort, my religious works, right? But grace focuses on what Jesus has already done. It's his righteousness. It's his goodness. It's his perfect work. Perfectionism is all about me, and grace is all about Jesus. Perfectionism believes if I obey, if I'm good enough, if I'm holy, then maybe God will love me. But grace is so much different. It starts with the love of God because God loves me because he accepts me through Christ. I can obey. I choose to obey. It's a response to his goodness. Perfectionism says, hey, I need to win God's approval. But grace says because of Jesus, I'm living from the approval of God. It's not by work so that I can boast. It's by grace through faith in Jesus Christ because of who Jesus is, because of what he's done. When I put my faith in him, I don't have to live a perfect life. Because of Jesus, the pressure is off. The pressure's off. Be free. Walk in it. Embrace his grace. Step into the goodness of God. You don't have to be perfect to please him. Because of what Jesus did, you don't have to get it right to live up to his standards. It's a response to step into his grace. So to someone incredibly insecure like me who wants to impress everybody with my performance, it takes the pressure off. If we truly understand this, it, should be, it shouldn't just change what we think, but it should change everything about how we relate with people and how we live. You see, grace takes the pressure off. And so what I want to do is I want to give you two thoughts of, of application of when we're talking about how grace takes the pressure off, okay? 
The first one is we get to choose people over perfection. Choose people over perfection. Okay? We get to choose intimacy, and we get to choose relationship, and we get to choose depth of connection instead of performance and perfectionism. In fact, there's no better illustration of this in Scripture than in Luke's Gospel, Luke 10, when, when there were two sisters hosting Jesus for a dinner party. One was named Mary, and one was named Martha. And many of you are like Martha. Martha was, you know, was freaking out, right? Everything had to be perfect. Jesus was coming into town, and Jesus was, was there in her house, right? Martha was doing what many of you would do. Every detail's got to be right. You know, run around, you know, run around the house going, oh, my gosh, clean it up, clean it up, right? Light the good candles, right? We got to get this cleaned up, you know? We're throwing kids in closets and trash and whatever else, you know? We, all kinds of stuff, right? Mary's sitting there being lazy, just talking to Jesus, like, chat, 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 chat. You know, like, hey, Jesus, how was your day? How was the donkey ride in? You know, <laughs> doing nothing. And Martha goes, Mary, get off of your behind. Get off your butt and, and come here and serve Jesus with me. And Jesus looks at Martha or you or me, and he says this in Luke 10, 41 and 42. My dear Martha, you are worried and upset over all these details. You know, you could plug in, instead of my dear Martha, you could plug in your name there, right? My dear, for me, my dear Dan, you are worried and upset over all these details. There's only one thing worth being concerned about, and Mary has discovered it, and it will not be taken away from her. You know, it's like Martha, Martha, Martha. You know, go back to the Brady Bunch style if you, if you catch my drift, okay? Martha, 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 choose people over perfection. Don't miss the moment, trying to live up to something that's not real. The second thing is this, uh, taking because of the pressure being off, is we can actually choose perfect love over perfect performance. We can choose perfect love over perfect performance. We could choose the perfect love of our Father rather than performing to try to impress Him or try to impress somebody else. Well, why does this matter? Well, what is the spirit of perfectionism? It's a covering for our deepest fears. It's a covering for our insecurities. It's a sinful way to cover up for our sinfulness, right? Okay. What's your greatest insecurity? What are you trying to cover up? Some of you, it's a deep feeling of inadequacy. Some of you, it's shame. Maybe not even something that was your fault. Guilt. Maybe it's a fear of rejection or a fear of being judged. Whatever it is, it's a covering and it's a bad covering. You don't have to be perfect. But but wait, Dan, didn't Jesus, Jesus say we had to be perfect, right? You, you read in Matthew's gospel at the beginning of this episode that we're supposed to be perfect as our heavenly father is perfect. Well, what I did was I intentionally quoted that verse out of context so I could read it to you in context. You see, it's very important that when you're looking at scripture to understand the totality of what is really being said. Got to break it down, right? And the context of Jesus' teaching in this portion of Scripture is not about performance. It's all about love. It's not about our behavior. It's about our response to God's love and loving others. Look at the context and see the love all over this teaching. It comes from Matthew 5, uh, starting with verse 43. Here's what Jesus says. You have heard that it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. See, it's all about love. And so he goes on in verse 46. He says, if you love those who love you, 
what reward will you get? Are not even the tax collectors doing that? And if you, if you greet only your own people, what are you doing more than others? Do not even pagans do that? Be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. See, he's not actually talking about our behavior or our performance. He is talking about being perfected in love. The word in the Greek that's translated as perfect here doesn't mean to be perfect in performance. It means to be mature. It means to be made complete. In other words, an eight-year-old isn't mature in body, right? A 24-year-old may be, right? Right, we're getting there, right? Should be close, right? (laughs) The same root word was used when Jesus was on the cross, when he said, it is finished. In other words, it's, it's complete. It's mature. It's now whole and it's done. What Jesus was saying was this, love. You've, you've been taught love those who are nice to you but hate your enemies, but Jesus says love everybody. Love freely. Love as you've been loved. Reflect the love of God in the way you love others. Be perfected in how you love. Be mature and complete in your love. It's not that you have to be perfect in performance, but it's growing into the perfect love of God. And that's why, for all of these years, it's finally getting through to my perfectionist soul, right? Because the reason I want to work, what I work so hard to reform is because my deepest fear is that I will always be inadequate. I'll never be enough. I'll never be as successful enough at home, uh, be a good enough pastor. I'll never be a good enough husband. I'll never be a good enough friend. I'll never be a good enough dad. And so because of that, my mask is perform. I have to perform. Get it done. Push it. Be perfect, win their approval, stand out, be successful. And I know it hurts, even though I still do it, I know it hurts me, but that's the price you have to pay for success, right? Well, now I realize that's not my calling, and that's not your calling. Our role, our assignment is not to convince people how good we are. Our calling is to convince people how good God is. It's not about your performance, it's all about Jesus. It's not about our righteousness, It's all about him. So I want to try to help you understand how much your God loves you, okay? I'll try to describe this as much as I can. If you've ever seen a child walk, I'm talking brand new child, right? Uh, A child learning to walk, right? I love it. When when they're nine months old, 10 months old, 11 months old, a year old, right? They do what we call, or I call, the drunk Frankenstein, right? Their hands are straight out in front of them. They're trying to wobble everywhere and trying to keep their balance, right? In fact, my grandson, he looks like right now like, um, he's been riding a horse for a month straight, right? Legs wide out and trying to just keep his balance, okay? And then they fall down, right? What, what do you do is if, if you're the father? You don't look at the child that fell and say, you pathetic, no good, can't even walk three steps, kid. I'm trading you in for someone more coordinated, right? We don't do that, right? What you do is you hug them and you love them and you say, great job. You took a step. Now let's do it again. And whenever they fall, you continue to love them. And when they do something good, you cheer them on, right? Well, your father in heaven is not withdrawing his love when you fall short. He's cheering you on when you get it right. He is continuing to love you because there's nothing you can do to cause him to love you more. And there's nothing you can do to cause him to love you less. Because love is not something he does. Love is who he is. It's, it's his essence, So step into it, step into it, not trying to win the approval of perfection, but in a response to his grace, Jesus takes the pressure off. So we don't have to perform for approval, but because we're already approved because of what Jesus did, now we get to respond. 
while we were still sinning, Scripture says Christ died for us. That's how much he loves you. Step into it. Feel it. Let the pressure leave and choose people over perfection and choose perfect love over perfect performance. Be mature and complete in the unconditional, undeserved, unreserved love that our Father has for you. The pressure's off. Amen. This concludes another episode of Venture Podcast. We hope you'll join us next week as we talk about what were to happen if you were to prioritize Christ's approval over the approval of others. How might that change our lives and our relationships? Let's find out next week. Talk to you soon. If you'd like to know more about Venture Podcast and Chandler Acres Ministries, or you'd like to become a patron, please visit us at chandleracreschurch.com.